0: There we go. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see y'all, and I just want y'all to know how encouraging it is. I know I speak for all the staff, and I hope it's an encouragement to you as we see more and more people kind of trickling back in. It's just so good to see faces, isn't it? we, We forget how important our fellowship is, our time together, just human contact and communication, and it's just such an encouragement to us to see you here. And we know we've got hundreds online that watch us and join us even though they're not in this building so just want to thank you for your faithfulness and what an honor it is to serve here and to serve with you and just want you to know that we love you but just a quick announcement Um, to me this is kind of a sign we're getting back to a little bit of normal Uh, we're going to be having class 101 for so long we've had to push this class off for those of you who may be interested in joining east talesville baptist church this is a requirement for membership but due to the COVID 19 crisis Uh, we've had to push all that back so many of you have been waiting to join East Taylorsville and wanted to take class 101 next Sunday immediately after the morning service we're going to offer that class we're going to set up some tables in this room so it'll be a lot more room to spread out we'll set up some tables have a light lunch and Jamie will be teaching class 101 in this room probably set back in that corner there so if you're interested in taking class 101 possibly joining East Taylorsville Or maybe you're not even interested in joining East Taylor's. Well, you just wonder what we believe, what we're about. Please stay next Sunday right after the service. We'll give you directions next week. So we invite you to join us next week. But as we begin our service, I just want to read a passage of scripture from Psalm 18. It says, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. I called on the Lord, who is worthy of praise, and he saved me from my enemies. I want to ask you to stand, and as you're standing, go ahead and um, wave at somebody. If you hadn't waved at somebody yet this morning, wave at them. And uh, welcome them to the service as we begin for worship. Prepare for worship.
1: Turn in your head. Here's the fear.
2: a few things about prayer this morning. Um, We want to pray for Crystal. She's a a Crystal Albee. She has uh, attended church here for a long time. She had surgery this week and we want to continue to pray for her and her recovery. Uh, And also the lackey, Leroy Lackey, want to remember him in prayer this morning and all of our shut-ins. I think we feel all shut in, don't we? But uh, we want to remember our shut-ins who are maybe struggling and going through some difficult times as well. Uh, I want to read to you a verse in Psalms, and uh, it says in Psalms 85 verse 6, "Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Church, that's the cure for all of us that God would revive us again, that we might rejoice with him again, that we might praise him, that we might surrender all to him with hearts, Lifted up in prayer, in praise, and adoration. Let's go, Lord, in prayer this morning. Father, we thank you this morning. Lord, that you're high, lifted up. Lord, that you're on your throne. And there is none other beside you. You're God alone. You're worthy of all praise and honor and glory. Father, we pray you'd come and revive us that we might rejoice in the God who loves us and gave himself for us, that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. And, Father, this morning we thank you for your word that speaks to us, to remind us who you are. You're the living Word. And, Father, we want to thank you for the encouragement that we have in Christ, that, God, that you are high and mighty and you're in control of all things. Father, we want to pray this morning for our nation, for the church. The Lord, that you would revive the church, that you'd awaken us to righteousness. The Lord, we've been asleep too long. The Lord, that you'd call your people to prayer and to fasting and to seeking your face as never before. Father, this morning we want to pray for Crystal that you'd continue to bring healing and help in her life raise her up for your glory and your honor and for the fatherment of your kingdom. Pray for Leroy. God bless him and meet his needs. And Evelyn. And all our shut-ins and people, Lord, we pray for them this morning that you would be with them and encourage them during this time. And Father, this morning, we want to thank you for loving us. Thank you for caring for us. That when we did not know you, You loved us. Thank you for your grace and your mercy this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. May be seated.
3: Thank you. Just want to reiterate what Kevin said. If you're interested in class, uh, church membership actually, uh, class 101 is a requirement for church membership here and uh, I would encourage you to call. You can contact the church office or you can just contact me directly if you're interested in taking the class. We'd like to know who's coming uh, so that we know how much food to prepare and this will probably be, probably be the only new members class we have for the rest of the year. So if you're interested please uh, sign up for that and we'll be, as soon as service is over, we're going to ask people to set up tables back here We'll have a class in here, we'll have a, a, a light meal in here, and we'll tell you how you can join if you're interested in church membership. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 8, and stand with me. We're going to look at one verse this morning, and it's Romans eight eighteen. And last week we talked about how that if you're chi- God's child, you're an heir, which is a legal act that takes place in heaven, that cannot be reversed, it's irrevocable, that you're an heir of God, you're an heir of Christ. And Paul tells the first century readers that you're an heir of suffering. And this morning, we're going to look at how there are people that will, without a doubt, suffer for Christ's sake. But we all have sufferings in our life, don't we? All of us. And that's a, that's a part, of, part of life. Jesus said it rains on the just and the unjust. So as Paul talks about how we're heirs of God, heirs of Christ, heirs of glory, he also talks about how we're heirs of suffering. And this morning, I want to talk about how most of us in the Christian life will go from groaning to glory we all have seasons of suffering we all do everybody does if you're a Christian you're not exempt notice what Paul says though he says for I consider look at the word consider this right that word as a Christian can make or break your spiritual life it's, it's, it's kinda like a mathematical term he says let's, let's think about this let's reason this through and Paul did that notice for I consider that the sufferings of this present time notice the words present time All suffering has its season. Sufferings come, sufferings go. Are not worthy to be compared with the glory. We looked at that word last week. Which shall be revealed in us. Let's learn from Paul this morning. Father, as we come to you in prayer, Lord, we will all go through. We'll all have storms, trials, seasons of sufferings. Father, thankfully you've placed us in America. And we will not see the type of sufferings for Christ's sake like other people have. And are suffering right now. Lord, we thank you for that. And Lord, we pray for them. But Father, suffering is just part of this life. Father, sufferings will test our faith. Sufferings will tell us, really show us if we have faith. Father, you use sufferings to conform us into the image of Christ. But Father, I'm so thankful that sufferings in. And as Paul says, compared to glory, it's just really a small part of our lives. And Father, really no Christian in the New Testament suffered like Paul did. So Father, I pray that we could learn and consider, as he asks us to, Father, consider our lives in light of eternity, and we'll forever thank you and praise you for what you do for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. The first point I want to make is so obvious, and it's this, everyone suffers, everyone. If you're living on the planet, especially if you're a Christian, you're going to suffer. Now notice, there there are two types of suffering we're going to talk about under this point. The first one is sufferings for Christ, which Paul, in context of Romans chapter 8, that's what his suffering meant. You're suffering because you're a believer. Everything Paul suffered, now he had other ailments. He suffered in life. He had physical ailments. He had a thorn in the flesh that God just gave him. But most of Paul's sufferings, and they were many, we looked at them last week, were because he, he placed his faith in Jesus and he was a minister of the gospel. Then you have, for the majority of us, you have basic sufferings in life. And, and, and that really separates the wheat from the tare. How you respond to the sufferings of life really will show the world whether or not you have faith or not. God will use those sufferings in your life, which we all face. They're all different. He'll use those to conform you into the image of Christ. It it, it is a fact of the Bible. But notice first, suffering for Christ. Paul is saying this as a fact. He's telling his readers, you will suffer for Christ in the first century. And he was honest. This is what God told Paul when he saved him. Notice on the screen in Acts 9. When Jesus appeared to Paul. You remember Paul was uh, uh, really a Christianity hater. The Bible says that he went out putting people into prison. He held the clothes uh, uh, of the people while they stoned Stephen. And Stephen died for his faith. Paul was right there cheering them on. And then Jesus appeared to him. And notice what God says. God is very honest. He says, But the Lord said to him through Ananias, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, which he did, kings, which he did, and the children of Israel who hated him, which he did. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Suffering for Christ. And boy, did Paul suffer. All these are in Acts. And I'm not going to read the verse in the chapter. But the Jews plotted to kill him in Damascus. Again in Jerusalem, they drove him out of Antioch. They attempted to stone him in Iconium. They did stone him and left him for dead in Lystra. In Philippi, they beat him with rods and put him in stocks. In Thessalonica, the Jews and the rabble rousers tried to mob him. They drove him out of Berea. They plotted against him in Corinth. In Ephesus, they almost killed him. In Corinth, shortly after he had written this epistle, they again plotted his death. In Jerusalem, they again would have made a quick end of him if he had not been rescued by the Roman soldiers, he was imprisoned in Caesarea for two years and for two more years in Rome. Besides all this, he mentions, and we looked at him last week, unrecorded beatings, imprisonments, shipwrecks, endless deprivations of every kind. Finally, he was taken to Rome to be executed as a criminal, and Paul must have had amazing endurance because if you read in Acts 16 when they threw him in prison, he just sang all night. Suffering for Christ's sake. See, Paul said this to the church at Galatia, he said this, You want to talk about suffering? I bear in my body the marks of Christ. I bear in my body the marks of Christ. It's almost like Paul said, if I take my shirt off, we'll see who's suffered for Christ's sake. You say you have, but I've lived it. It's kind of like when, when if you're on a ball team, if you play football, there, there are some players who have dirty uniforms, and some players that have clean uniforms all year, don't they? Some players, but you know, for them it's not by choice. What Paul is saying is this, I'm not a bench warmer. You want to talk to me about your faith, show me your scars. Because Paul says you will suffer for Christ's sake. You will. Peter put, put it this way. Notice what Peter said to his readers. Beloved, he says, I love you, but do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to trial you, as though some strange thing happened to you. He's saying, don't be surprised if you're going to suffer for Christ's sake. One scholar put it this way, these Christians were thinking that the suffering which they were enduring was a thing foreign or alien to their Christian lives. As if Christianity made one immune to suffering, Peter exhorts him to think rightly about suffering and to realize it as an expected thing. And they're suffering for Christ's sake. It's not like they have an illness. It's because they will not deny Jesus. Trials are an inescapable part of this life. We see this principle when Paul and Barnabas were preaching the gospel. Notice what they said when they were preaching. It says they went strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. Don't give up. Why would he say that? Because they were suffering for Christ's sake. Then he says this, and saying this is what they said, through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God, suffering for Christ's sake. Most of you will not have to suffer for Christ's sake. You'll go to your grave and never have to try to deny your faith or have your head cut off. Alright? Aren't you thankful? People, people in other parts of the world are. There are. And we should pray for them daily. But, there, but what you'll face is this. Sufferings in life. Following Christ will not prevent your having earthly sorrows and troubles. Notice these two verses on the screen. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. Matthew five forty-five. He makes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. Is that not so? Then in John 16, he says, in this world you will have tribulation. That is a promise. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. You're gonna have trials, you're gonna have tribulations, you're gonna have storms, you're gonna have all these things. God has not promised us smooth waters. J.C. Ryle said this, if you are a believer, you must reckon on having your share of sickness and pain. Of sorrow and tears, of losses and crosses, of deaths and bereavements, of partings and separations, of vexations and disappointments. So long as you are in the body, Jesus has never undertaken that he will make you prosperous, rich, or healthy, or that death shall never come to your family. We're all gonna suffer in this life, it's just part of it. But the second thing is this understand, suffering has a purpose. God always allows suffering to have a purpose in our lives. Notice what it says. For I consider. We're going to look at that word in just a moment. See, two, two or three things suffering do for us. Number one, suffering tests our faith. Now listen to some of these quotes from preachers I love reading after. In storms, God puts our faith to the test. Do we really believe all this stuff in the Bible? I remember when David Jeremiah, who is a tremendous preacher, got cancer, He said, you know what, God, I learned through God, all this stuff I'm preaching, is it true? Are all these promises God gave me, is it true? Is my faith really real? And he says, through it all, God brought me through that, and I could say yes. Do you really believe the promises in the Bible? Oh, do you? Well, just let something bad happen to you. Let something bad happen to you. And then, do you really trust God? Do you really trust God's word? Think about this, untested faith is no better than untested love. It is easy to say I do at a wedding ceremony, but it's a, hard, it's a lot harder to say I'll never leave you in sickness and in health for richer or for poor." That's why the average marriage doesn't last seven years. Okay? Because your love is untested. Do you really love this person? See, what God wants to see if what you shout about on Sunday will hold ground on Monday. Billy Graham said this, mountaintops are for view and inspiration But real fruit in the Christian life is always grown in the valley. There's some things that you learn about yourself and about Jesus that you would never learn had you not had that storm, that trial, or that season of sufferings. Are you allowing storms to destroy your faith, or do you look to Jesus? Suffering tests our faith. Notice the word consider. Listen to what the word consider means. It means to reckon. It refers literally to to a numerical calculation. It means to reckon, to compute, to calculate, to take into account, to deliberate, to weigh. The Greek word refers to a process of careful study or reasoning which results results in the arriving at a conclusion. It's it's like Paul says, when I have suffering in my life, I look at it and say to myself, how is God going to use this in my life? I'm going to consider it. David used the word kazah. In the, in, the, in the Psalms, he, he would say this it means to inquire, it means to look at something intelligently, to understand, to perceive, to experience it, to experience God. What David would say is, God, what are you trying to teach me during this season of suffering? Paul says, Everything I went through, I considered it, and I saw that it's not worthy to be compared to eternity. That's an amazing statement. You know, you know most of us will consider it and go, Why? My God. I've heard that a thousand times since I've been a pastor. You know what my answer is? I don't know. I have no idea. God didn't tell Job he's not going to tell you. He just didn't. I don't know. But you've got to consider who God is and who you are. God is at work. He's testing your faith here. You've got to look at it intelligently and, and understand that God's grace, his mercy, his power, his love, and his sovereignty is enough. God told Paul, my grace is sufficient. You think he considered that a couple times? He prayed three times, three seasons of prayer, that is, for this thing to be removed, and God said, nope. But Paul considered it and said, it's better for me that I have it. That's a mature faith. That is a faith that's really unbelievable. Listen, trials separate the men from the boys, the wheats from the tares, the sheep from the goats. The proof of your faith is in time. Are you real? We will see. Jesus said, by your fruits you will know them. He, he also said this, he who endures to the end will be saved. Defection is the proof of a false conversion. It's not that you lost your salvation, you really never had it. Jesus promised this in the parable of the souls. He says this, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word at once and receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Fall away from what? Fall away from the faith. Now, when Paul considered considered his suffering and who God is and God's eternal plan from a prison cell that he would never leave without death, some of his last words, this is what Paul says. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. He's writing to Timothy saying, they're going to kill me. And then he says this. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And then he says this. I have kept the faith. Paul says, my faith in Jesus is stronger now, even though I'm going to die, than it was the day he saved me. Suffering will test your faith. It's real easy to shout on church, in church on Sunday. Real easy. But when troubles and trials come, we'll see how, how uh, strong we are. Suffering is also used by God to conform us into the image of Christ. Paul says in Romans 8, which we'll look at in a few weeks. He says this, and we know that all things work together for good. See, Paul understood. He considered it. Even the bad things in my life, even though they're not good, God can bring good out of them. Don't understand it. In God's plan, he can do what he wants. To those who love God, to those who call are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. That word predestined means to determine his destiny. God's destiny for you... It has been predetermined is to conform you into the image of Jesus. That's why sufferings come. It's to test our faith oftentimes, and is also to conform us and make us in the into what God wants us to be. Peter said it this way: Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful Creator while doing good. He says your suffering in your life is according to God's will. Okay, and. And trust your soul to him. Notice what James says. It will be on the screen. This is the Lord's brother. He says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various tri- trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let endurance have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And you know what James says? These trials are going to grow you up spiritually. God rarely uses a man greatly that is not bruised greatly or a woman. Rarely. Rarely. I mean, it's just so rare. And it's not good. God, listen to what God said through Jeremiah about the Moabites. And I'm going to read this commentary. Jeremiah 48, verse 11. This is a judgment prophecy in this section against Moab. The Moabites, obviously people familiar to any Bible student, were a pagan, idolatrous, idolatrous people who lived across the Dead Sea in the south part of the area. East of the land of Israel. And God pronounced judgment on Moab, divine judgment. Notice what he says. The prophet under inspiration of God in Jeremiah 48, 11 says this. Moab has been at ease since youth. You know what made Moab morally weak? They didn't have any troubles. They didn't have any troubles. It just showed that God was not involved in their lives. They, they, they never had anything, anything in their life. That, he goes on to say they've been undisturbed morally weak, idolatrous, pagans, who are trusting in themselves. They've never been through anything. See, God uses sufferings and trials to conform us into His image. Notice Psalm 119, 71. David says, so what many of us already know by experience, it was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. You know who really hammered that verse home to me? Connie Wagner. She said, I want to show you something, preacher. This is before she died. She said, it was good for me to be afflicted. It was good for me to be in prison. It was good for me to get caught. It was good for me because through that, God molded me into the person I am today. You know, I have a a magazine in my office, Mosaic magazine. She's on the cover of. And I had her to autograph it. How many times have we been in prison together with Connie Wagner? And she would tell these men, listen, God will use your suffering and bring your greatest ministry out of your suffering. He will do that. It was good that I was afflicted, the psalmist says. Because if I had not been afflicted, I would not learn your decrees. He's saying, I wouldn't even know you, God, the way I know you had you not afflicted me. God uses sufferings to conform us into the image of Christ. Listen to what this one old-time preacher said. And this is so true. He said, the greatest sermons I've ever heard. Now, this guy's heard some preaching. Okay? The greatest sermons, you better listen to them, that I've ever heard were not preached from pulpits, but sick beds. The deepest truths of God's word have often been taught by those humble souls who have gone through the seminary of affliction. The most cheerful people I've met, with few exceptions, have been those who have had the least sunshine and the most pain and suffering in their lives. Now listen, the most grateful people I've ever known were not those who had traveled a pathway of roses all their lives, but those who were confined to their homes, some to their beds, and had learned to depend on God. So true. The grippers, on the other hand, are usually those who've had the least to complain about. The men and women who are the most cheerful and most grateful for the blessings of Almighty God are often those who have gone through the greatest trials. Amen and amen. Third thing here is this. Praise the Lord. Suffering has its season. It's not forever. That's what I try to tell people all the time. It's not forever. Just trust God. Maybe a day, maybe a month. Paul, you know, when he lists his sufferings, it was his first 21 years of mission. It's a long time, right? Then he died in prison. But suffering for him had its season. Paul said, notice, for I consider that the sufferings of this, look at the words, present time. Listen to what this means. And I'm going to read this commentator. He says, now in verse 18 we find two encouragements. First, Paul tells us that sufferings for the believer who obeys Christ is only for a season. Paul says the sufferings of this present time this gives the idea that it's not forever but for a particular season you see Christians have great hope that their sufferings will end the word translated season is the word kairos, which means a set or fixed time it means it's a set or fixed time there's an op- it, not only a set or fixed time it's a set or fixed time where God gives you opportunity to grow it's a, it's a spiritual word it's different from the word chronos which means a space of time Kairos refers to that which will end like spring, fall, and so on. Habakkuk, when God finally spoke to him in the Old Testament, see, God told the prophet Habakkuk, he said, I'm going to bring this country upon our people, and they're going to ransack our people because I'm bringing divine judgment on our people. And Habakkuk was amazed by that. You're going to use them, those pagan, idolatrous pagans, and and he mentioned them, to judge us? And God said, yes, I am. Be amazed at what I'm about to do. But God also tells him this. It's not going to be forever. He says this. Then they will sweep through like the wind and pass on. They're coming, but they're going to leave. He goes on to say this. But they will be held guilty. They whose strength is their God. He said, Habakkuk, you're going to think this chastisement, which you deserve, is going to last forever. But it's not. You're going to have summer, spring, winter, fall, goodbye. They're going to leave. Your suffering's not forever. Your storms are only temporary, but God's blessings, Paul tells us, last forever. And then the final thing is this, and we'll close with this. Suffering prepares us for heaven. For I consider, Paul said, I've calculated this, I've reasoned it intelligently. Okay? I've looked at it like a grown, born-again Christian male or female he said I've considered that the suffering of this present time which is for a season which for Paul it never ended until his death he said they're not even worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us that's why he told the church at Colossae set your mind on things above he says what you see here is temporary but what we can't see is eternal to be where God is will be glory to be what God intended us to be will be glory To do what God purposed us to do will be glory. All that awaits a Christian, regardless of what's happened in your life, is glorious. Let me repeat that again. All that awaits us is glorious. You'll have rest for your soul for eternity. Isn't that an amazing thought? The city of our habitation is a glorious city. The society that we shall be a part of will be a glorified society. Paul says this even about our bodies. Our bodies shall be glorious bodies, fashioned after the likeness of of Christ's glorious body. Think on that. That's why Paul could tell the church at Corinth when he listed all his sufferings that this, my sufferings, which were many and for 20, 30 years, are light and momentary not because I was minimizing them, but because he looked at them in light of eternity. Paul says this, all our sufferings are not worthy of being compared, not even deserving to be on the same side by side contrast with the glory that is to come. Aren't you thankful for heaven? John, McCar- John Popper speaks on this, and it's just about a one or two minute video, but he speaks so powerfully. Will you guys play this clip that talks about what I'm talking about?
4: Not only is all your affliction momentary, not only is all your affliction light in comparison to eternity and the glory there, but all of it is totally meaningful. Every millisecond of your pain from the fallen nature or fallen man, every millisecond of your misery in the path of obedience is producing a peculiar glory you will get because of that. I don't care if it was cancer or criticism, I don't care if it was slander or sickness. It wasn't meaningless. It's doing something. It's not meaningless. Of course you can't see what it's doing. Don't look to what is seen. When your mom dies, when your kid dies, when you got cancer at 40, when a car careens into the sidewalk and takes her out. Don't, don't say, it's meaningless. It's not. It's working for you an eternal weight Of glory, therefore, therefore, do not lose heart but take these truths and day by day focus on them, preach them to yourself every morning. Get alone with God and preach His Word into your mind until your heart sings with confidence that you are new.
3: As we close, Tommy Dorsey's been known as the father of gospel music. He was—if you know anything about his life—he was a, a great jazz musician. Uh, had some issues in his life, and he quit playing jazz. And the Lord saved him. And after the Lord saved him, he says, "What I'm going to do is dedicate my talents to the gospel," and he did. And God blessed him. He—he he met a lady named Nettie, got married. She became pregnant. He would play meetings in Chicago, St. Louis, everywhere. Everybody wanted to hear Tommy Dorsey. But when he was going to St. Louis, I think it was for a couple days, he got a telegram. And the telegram said this, Nettie's dead. Your wife is dead. Of course, he rushed home. And when he rushed home, they had a little boy. So he he says in his his biography, you have overwhelming grief because he loved this woman. The only woman he ever loved. But I got a baby boy. Well, that night the boy dies. That very night the boy dies. And Tommy Dorsey, like a lot of people would, questioned God, questioned the justice of God, questioned the goodness of God, quit playing for God. He did. He said, I'll never play for him again. But he had a good friend in his life. And this good friend, after some months, and sometimes you got to wait months, said, come on over here and play the piano, Tommy. He said, "Just, just play it. Just whatever. And this is what he says. He said, for the first time... I felt at peace and it's almost like God was touching me and he said he started playing and this is what he played and he wrote these words down precious Lord take my hand lead me on and let me stand I am tired I am weak I am worn through the storm through the night lead me on to the light take my hand precious Lord lead me home and this is what he said he said, I learned that we, we are in our deepest grief when we feel the farthest from God. This is when he's the closest, when we are most open to his restoring power. You feel like giving up? You feel like giving up? Don't. Don't give up. Just trust in him. Trust in him today. Don't worry about tomorrow. I was with one of our church members Friday. Got a bad report. I said, well, you can't worry about next month. Enjoy today. Amen. Trust in Him today. How many of us can add one inch to our stature? By worry. I'd be about eight foot tall if I could. How many of us can add one second to our day by worry? None. But you know what you can do? You can have peace in your heart and your life if you trust in the God who loves you more than anybody. Amen. Allow, give your sufferings to Jesus. And I'll tell you this as we close. The greatest storm you'll ever face is if you're lost. And stand before a holy God on judgment day. Trusting in your own righteousness. I would encourage everyone watching today online, those in the parking lot, those who are in this auditorium, to place your faith and trust in Christ today. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and we'll close. Those of you who are born again today, you may be suffering. But listen, I want to encourage you right now to give your suffering to Jesus. And just pray this. Jesus, I trust you with this. I trust you with it. It may be health. It may be relationships. Some things are out of your control. But you can trust in the Lord. And say, Lord, through this, I want to know you more. Deeper. Greater. And sometimes our greatest ministries come out of our pain. Trust the Lord. Trust Him today. And then look back three years from now and just praise Him for what He did in your life. Not minimizing anybody's suffering at all. At all. But trust the Lord with it. Ask the Lord to strengthen your faith. And Then if you're here today and you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ, the Bible says that whosoever calls upon the Lord will be saved. Jesus said to repent and believe the gospel. And if you're lost today, say this, Jesus, today I trust in you alone for my salvation. You're the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You're my only hope, and today I give my life to you. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we want to thank you, Lord, for your grace and for your mercy. We want to thank you, Lord, that even though we suffer, you're with us. Lord, you're using our suffering for your glory. And, Father, I pray for those that are going through trials now, Lord. I pray that you would be as real to them now as you ever have been, Lord, and you help them. Lord, Lord, you can do things that a pastor can't, Lord, that a counselor can't. Lord, you're the one that we're going to be alone with. So, Father, let them know how much you love them and help them. And Lord, let them know that it's just a season. Father, we thank you for the glorious hope that we have that makes life worth living. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people sit together. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. And We're going to dismiss you by sections. We're going to let this section right here go first. Thank you all so much for being here and I hope